0: Welcome to the Rise and Revitalize podcast, where we give you short, simple messages to help you become the best that you can be and reach your full potential, because I believe that is the purpose of why we're here, is to impact as many people as we can in a positive way and leave the world a better place than before we came. It's your host, Mitch. If it's your first time listening, welcome. This is a no-fluff podcast. We're going to talk entrepreneurship. We're going to talk success. We're going to talk personal development, and every podcast, is going to leave you with something that you can hopefully apply to your life, which can give you something actionable to either make your life better, maybe make you think differently, make you laugh, brighten your day. That's the goal. And to start, I'm going to tell you a story, a story about my childhood, because I've been thinking a lot lately, contemplating a lot lately of, of why human beings, you know, as they get older, are the way that they are right? Why do we believe the things that we believe? You know, why do some people believe that they can be successful? And if they put in the work, they're going to get the result and other people don't. And what got me thinking about this is I'm reading a modern day philosophy book called The Four Agreements, really powerful book. And in this book, the author talks a lot about the power of our language, right? The power of the way that we've been programmed. Because we as a species, what separates us from animals really is our ability to communicate, right? And our words, they're so powerful. He gives historical examples, right? I mean, look at Nazi Germany, the words of one man. One man led to so much pain and suffering and destruction just with his words. And then you look at someone like Martin Luther King, right? Changed the world with the words that came out of his mouth. And then we as human beings, right? I think subconsciously we've been so impacted by the things we've been told, especially when we're kids, right? The way that we've been programmed, our beliefs, you know, what we believe is possible. And as I was reading this book, there was just a memory that I have that kept popping into my head. And I've thought about it often, but, you know, until I read this book, you know, I I never really think I grasped what a significant impact it had on my life. And so it's one of my earliest memories, I was six years old, and it's so vivid, right? Because it was, at the time, such a dramatic thing for me. And I was in grade one, it was October. And just to add a little bit of context to the story, I was not a very intelligent young kid. You know, in fact, I was, you can probably label me as dumb, right? I just, I wasn't very smart. And to make this worse, I was also massive. So when I was two or three years old, There's a height, I think it's when you're two, maybe you're supposed to double your height. That'll tell you how big you're going to be when you're an adult. Well, I was already almost four feet tall, right? So you can imagine my mom would take me to these playgroups. I'm two years old. Everyone thought I was like six or seven, but I'm communicating with, you know, the language skill set of a two-year-old. And so these moms would ask my mom, they'd be like, is your kid okay? Like, you know, is is little Mitchie there going to be okay? Like, what's wrong with him? And my mom would have to tell them, well, no, he's just this huge kid right and you know my dad tells another funny story i think i was maybe 4 or 5 years old and they're having this kind of sophisticated dinner party right but their good friends and their good friends here had the son who was a couple years younger than me and they were showing him off right and he was doing his alphabet with those magnets you see on on the fridge in the kitchen right and this kid was spelling words, probably spelled, you know, like horse and dog and cat. He's like three years old, doing his alphabet already. And at the time, here I am five years old, and my obsession for whatever reason was with construction and tools. And so I had this plastic hammer that I carried everywhere with me. And they said this, you know, their, their friends are showing off their kid and little Tommy's spelling things on the, on the fridge. And I went over there with my plastic hammer and started banging on the fridge. So I'm sure my parents were a little bit embarrassed. And my dad said, and he tells the story all the time. He said, well, the world needs ditch diggers too. So that's where I started from. And here I am. I'm in grade one. I'm this massive kid. I think I was like almost five feet tall already. It was something ridiculous because I can remember being asked if I was in the right class. Like if I, you know, the grade five and six wing is over there. Like, are you sure you need, are in the grade one wing? I was like, yep, I'm in grade one. And we were doing this craft, and we were given this black piece of paper, all the grade ones, and we were given orange string and a glue stick, and we were supposed to make like a pumpkin or some kind of Halloween picture with the string on the pieces of paper. While well, the other students, smart as they were, would apply the glue to the piece of this black paper, and then they would place the string on the glue, and it would stick to the piece of paper, and they'd make something cool. While well, me and in my infinite wisdom as a six-year-old was trying to glue the glue right on the pieces of string so as you can imagine this string yarn got all over the place i got glue all over my hands i got string hanging off my fingers i got this disaster of a craft while everyone else else has these nice pumpkins and owls and halloween stuff and i remember just being embarrassed like looking around i was sitting by this one girl that you know you i liked in grade one and she had this cool picture and you know here i'm this disaster you know, covered in string, glue all over the place. And then the most traumatic thing happened. And you might remember this from elementary, but there was this special ed lady that would come in and she would grab a couple of students. And even in grade one, you know, kids are pretty smart. They know that whoever goes with that special ed lady isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Well, I'd never been called up until that point, but here I am covered in string and glue, And the lady walks in and she goes, Mitchell, come with me, please. And I could see all the students in the classroom starting to snicker. And I remember walking out of that hallway. Like I I can, it almost feels like yesterday. I can relive it, right? Walking to the special ed room where she made me do these readings because I was a really slow reader. Like I was just a very slow learner at the time, you know, got Glue and string all over my hands. Like honestly, I probably needed a helmet just to make it to school without hurting myself. And I can remember just this rage inside of me, like just being so angry that I was being hauled off to the special ed because I just, I didn't, I didn't want to be the dumb kid. I didn't want to be labeled like that. And I'd already been labeled like that, you know, for my whole life up until that point. And so I remember being in that room and just starting to cry and cry uncontrollably, you know, when you like hyperventilate, like, (gasps) and, and the teacher like panicked, she didn't know what to do, so she brought me back to the classroom, and I'm like hyperventilating in front of all these kids, I got still glue hanging off my arms, string everywhere, and the kids started to laugh and snicker, right, here's big dumb Mitch going off to special ed, and he couldn't even handle that, had to come back to the classroom, hyperventilating, crying, and I remembered rage in that moment, right it was rage that i said i never ever want to feel like this again because i was so embarrassed right i remember these especially the little girls right laughing at me and i truly believe because i was reading this book i just couldn't stop thinking about this memory that i have because it's one of my earliest memories right of being this you know big dumb grade 1 kid needing a helmet and then that feeling of rage and that rage and that anger that I felt in that moment, I truly believe changed my life. Because I can remember going home and like telling my parents the story, right? And saying, I, you know, I, I don't want this to happen anymore. Like I remember saying, I don't want to go to that special edge room, right? Or the special help room. And I don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to be that kid. Like it was just embarrassing because, you know, kids in grade one, they make fun of other kids, right? And, you know, I was already big. I already looked different. And I, I didn't want that reputation, And my parents told me, well, you're going to have to put in the work then, right? You're going to have to study. You're going to have to work on your schoolwork after class. And so I started doing that. And not because I particularly liked school. I didn't. You know, I, I never really enjoyed school. I never did. But I just never wanted to experience that again. I never wanted to experience having to, you know, cry hyperventilating in front of the class again or being called to that special education room i didn 't want it, and I think that was some of my earliest programming was this decision that I made that I had to put in the work so that i didn't feel that amount of pain again and things from there started to get a little bit better, right I was still like a d and c student, but i I believe that first year, maybe it was grade two I got my first B because I can you know vividly remember sitting down with my mom and going through the report card and and getting that first B and even though I was happy to have made some improvements. And at at this point, I wasn't with the special ed lady anymore. I had to do that a few more times. But, you know, as I started to make improvements, you know, I was able to get myself out of that class. And I started to develop this belief that if I put in the work, I could get the result. Even though I wasn't naturally very smart, you know, I I still believe to this day that I'm not naturally super intelligent, but I have this belief that if I put in the work, that if I really put in the work and I work harder than anyone else, that I can do whatever it is that I want to do. Like I wholeheartedly truly believe that. And it really started in that moment. And when I started to study and I started to do my schoolwork after class and do my homework and take it more seriously, and I, you know, I started to see improvements that just carried on and on and on. And by, you know, grade three, I got my first A. I I remember that. You know, and from there it became, I didn't just want to get an A. I wanted to be the best at every subject. Like, I I didn't want anyone else to beat me. Because, you know, I I had gotten laughed at, right, for being the dumb kid. Well, now I wanted to shove that in everyone's face. As a kid, I remember thinking that. But that belief really carried me through the rest of my life. And when I got into university, and I come from... You know, I have incredible parents, but I come from a family line where no one, no Jacobson, that's my last name, has ever gotten a university degree. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. And I went into engineering because, you know, I just, for whatever reason, I think I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps. You know, I wanted to become, you know, an engineer. But, you know, no one had ever taken the university degree. My dad took the, the two-year diploma. and No one had ever, like I said, gotten a university degree. Well, at 21 years old, 15 years from that day, covered in glue and string, I walk the stage with my degree. And I say this with the utmost humility. I really do, but I was also awarded the top student award for having the best grades. So here's this dumb, massive kid, right? That really probably needed a helmet just to get to class. And I got the top... Mark, and it wasn't because I was more intelligent. There was kids in my class, you know, and I knew this that came from, you know, long family lines of academia. Like their parents had PhDs, and you know, there was international students that came to Canada just for this program because you know their parents were successful engineers. And I wasn't smarter than any of them. I really wasn't, but I, you know, I was obsessive in university, and what really drove me, I, and, and still drives me to that this day was that experience I had hyperventilating in front of my classmates that I never want to feel like that again and I started to develop that belief this programming that if you do the work you can get the result and I don't tell that story you know to make myself sound intelligent because I you know I got that award I don't care about that award because really you know being six years removed from you know academics. Everything that I've learned, I've learned in the real world and I've learned by making mistakes in the real world as an entrepreneur and I don't even place any value on that anymore. But the point of the story is that I believe so many of us have been held back by this belief that we can't do something or that because we don't come from a family line of entrepreneurs or because no one in our family has ever went to university or no one that we know has ever accomplished what we want to accomplish that we can't do it. And what this book says what every successful person that I've ever met has in common is that they have the belief that they can do it, right? And one's person, one person's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Do you know who said that? Les Brown. He's one of my favorite motivational speakers, if not my favorite of all time. Incredible human being. And when he was a young kid, he was labeled educationally retarded. And I don't say that offensively. That's, and he'll say this in his speeches. That's what he was labeled as. He was labeled as, you know, mentally retarded, like having a severe learning disability. And he tells the story in, in almost every one of his motivational speeches where he was in high school and he just had this belief that he was never going to be anything because he wasn't intelligent. He wasn't smart. He had a learning disability. And this one teacher said so this teacher changed his life forever and this teacher asked him to get up in front of class and answer a question in front of the class. And the class was kind of laughing at him and Les said, no sir, I can't do that. And the teacher said, why? He said, well, you know, I've been told that I have a learning disability, that I'm, that I'm mentally retarded. And he made Les get up in front of the class and, and he looked Les in the eyes and he said, one person's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Les said that changed his entire life. It changed his entire programming. He went on to become an extraordinarily successful entrepreneur, a motivational speaker. You've probably heard him speak at some point. He's a famous, very influential man. You know, I, I highly recommend his 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 work and listening to his speeches. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. What were you programmed with as a child? Do you believe that if you put in the work that you'll get the result that you want? Because I promise you, you know, look at me. If I can't even figure out how to glue a piece of string to a piece of paper and yet I can go to university and get my degree and, and beat out, you know, some of these kids that came from, you know, family lines of PhDs, you can do it too, I promise you. Probably more naturally intelligent than me. But I just have developed this, you know, and I have such a long way to go. Like I, I, th- I feel like I'm, I'm 10 years behind where I should be. And I have a sense of urgency every day because I feel so behind. I feel like I'm not even close to where I want to be, and I'm not. But I do understand and I full, wholeheartedly believe that if I continue to put in the work that I eventually will get to where I want to go. And this is a very powerful concept if you read about the law of attraction. What you believe and what you put out in the world I truly believe comes to you, if you do the work. And so that's what I'm leaving you with today. How were you programmed as a kid? What are your beliefs? Is there something that holds you back? Are you putting in the work? Are you believing that if you do the work that you'll get the result? Because I promise you, if you pair belief with putting in the time, and doing it over and over again, and finding resilience, just like every successful person I've studied, you will amaze yourself with what you can accomplish. Hope you all have an extraordinary week. See you next time.